it's it's almost like a pinch me moment all of right it's like i can't believe that i've been able to work in real estate make money and create wealth for 17 years it's really really cool to say that uh, i'm really excited to see the landscape out there of people entering real estate learning the business and trying to put deals together gosh it's 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 really exciting for somebody like me who's been in it a while. They give me new energy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not that old, but the business is very tough. I could not thank you enough for tuning in every week with me on The Dwelling Show. We've been doing this for more than two years now, actually. Um, this is um, when the 200s now about the episode of the show. I just want to take this time out to really thank you so much, but also to remind you that if you're not on the dwelling deal list, make sure you sign up so you don't miss out on deals. Actually, we we have a deal on the contract right now. So for these kinds of deals, to learn more about what what we're doing, to learn about how we structure deals, feel free to go on the website dwelling.com or investwithola.com and you would see um, a pop-up box or just drop um, your email in the contact us um, form and we'll reach out to you so you'll get plugged in with what we're doing again i really appreciate you for tuning in every week sometimes i feel like nobody is listening on the other side until i get emails or dms from you on instagram or facebook and saying thank you for you know spitting out content every week um, it's a ton of work but i'm so glad to do it and it's my honor to deliver value every week um to you um, our listeners thank you so much Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got an incredible guest with us today, Brian Underwood. How are you doing, Brian? Oh, I'm really good today, man. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, looking forward to it. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's dive in. And, uh, let's dive in. Love to, just... love to add any value that I can to your listeners. I love it. I love it. So yeah, please um, feel free to tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and what you've been up to lately. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, very loaded question, right? Um, but simply put, my name is Brian Underwood. I run a residential development company here in San Diego, California. Uh, we have two brands, okay? Um, the first brand is Responsible Residential. That is focused on single family um, build-to-rent communities and townhome build-to-rent communities. Our other brand is Responsible Urban. And that has a much larger team and is focused on infill development, high-dense multifamily projects, also here in San Diego, California. Um, I, I have an operating business that I do. Uh, we do some consulting and brokerage as well here in San Diego, responsible real estate. The main focus for us here in San Diego is to really take advantage of the lack of supply and uh, and and build new residents. I mean, you'll see that, that kind of all across the nation, but particularly here in San Diego, we're so supply constrained. And so we've built a great team that understands the red tape here in California, understands the process and can get units out of the ground. And so we have a very qualified team to execute that plan. So that's a little bit about the, th the, the three companies that I run, again, focused on home building here in San Diego. Uh, what we've been up to lately, gosh, building homes, my friend, <laughs> building homes. Uh, that's that's the focus. Um, 
uh, I can get into a little bit of my background, how I got into the residential development world. Yeah, um, let's do that. That was my next maybe, question. Let's let's do awesome. That. Yeah, I was gonna say because yeah, you know, the residential development stuff is is awesome. I love it, but I really I fell in love with real estate. I fell in love with the process of real estate. Uh, this was over 17 years ago. So uh, I have spent the last 17 years making a living from real estate. And gosh, it's it's almost like a pinch me moment all of, right? It's like, I can't believe that I've been able to work in real estate, make money and create wealth for 17 years. It's really, really cool to say that. Uh, I'm really excited to see the landscape out there of people entering real estate, learning the business and trying to put deals together. Gosh, it's, it's, it's really exciting for somebody like me who's been in it a while. They give me new energy <laughs> and I'm, I'm not that old, but the business is very tough. So um, it's, it's fun to see new people entering. So simply put, uh, I do come from a real estate family background. Okay. My grandfather uh, started out as like a merchant builder and, uh, you know, he's kind of the lifeblood of the family and got us all in a lot of us into real estate. Uh, my uncle Brian runs our family business, A1 Self Storage here in California. But I got into real estate actually outside of the family business. Um, I saw it. I knew it existed. Uh, didn't really, quite frankly, know what I wanted to do with my life. At the time, I was like 21 years old selling women's shoes at Nordstrom. Awesome job, by the way. Um, but <laughs> that's funny, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, really customer service, it was a lively, it was fun. I just, I love people. Um, really, really fun business, great company to work for. And at 21 years old, you know, I made 75, 70 or $80,000. It was a lot of money for being 21 selling shoes. Um, but I also realized that's not what I want to do with my life. I, I don't want to sell shoes. And so I, um, uh, uh, kind of an acquaintance became a mentor of mine was working on a development deal, uh, his first, you know, kind of real estate deal. And I thought, okay, well, that's intriguing. Maybe I'll go help him out. And so sort of what ended up happening is I got exposed to real estate through a mentor of mine. And I, I was just fascinated kind of with the question of how, do, how does someone buy real estate? How do they put a value on a building or piece of land? And so that was, that was the fundamental question that I was after. And I was just trying to, you know, almost just uh, create the, the shove the tools into the toolbox, right? Get more arrows into the quiver. Like I was just trying, I was a sponge trying to learn everything. I still am, by the way, um, trying to learn everything. And uh, because there's a lot to learn, but I got, I got like my real estate salesperson license, right? I, I, I started learning about um, pro formas and, and how do you, how do you value like, you know, you've got income expense, what's this thing called net operating income. And there's this cap rate, right? There's all, it's like a different language that we have to learn, but I just immersed myself and I went to town. I'm going to, I'm going to try to condense this. Cause I've got, the, the, I, I could talk forever and it's just fun. I just can talk real estate forever, but here, here's what happened. I found a piece of land and I said, oh my gosh, this looks like a good deal. Now I'm, I'm as green as all gets, right? I'm as green as your shirt in this field. I don't know anything. I just think <laughs> I do, right? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I just, you know, but, but at the same, I'm just fascinated with it, right? So uh, my business, you know, my mentor, who is going to be my business partner at the time, he's uh, what, 30 years older than me, right? So I, I you know, I, I was obviously relying a little bit on him, his business partner, and then what I was learning. So 
we, I basically uh, went to a family member and I said, I want to borrow $50,000 and, you know, and they go, okay, fine. But I had prepared, right. I put together a business plan. I had, even though it was eight and a half by 11, sort of back of the envelope cash flow. I said, here's how, here's how I'm going to get your money back. Right. Here's the interest I can give you. And you know what? Uh, I, I made sense enough that they gave me the money. Okay. And that was my very first deal. And I, and I bought that deal. It was $150,000, 16,000 square feet of industrial land in Santee, California. And I started working with civil engineers and architects to build a 7,000 square foot spec building. Well, about six months later, we got an offer on that piece of property for $425,000. And we all looked at each other and, and I like raised my hand. I'm like, oh, we're going to take it, right? <laughs> because th- I mean, that's kind of like, profit now or, you know, kind of perceived profit later, like, let's take it now. So we sold it. Um, I gave the family member back their 50,000. I gave them all their interest. And long story short, after closing costs, and everything, I think I had like $70,000 in the bank. Right. And I'm going, yeah, how do I do that again? Right. So I was hooked, man. I was hooked right after that. Wait, let, me, just, let me, let me, hack, yeah, let me jump in. Sure. So sure. Did you sell that spec building post-development or just before you even broke ground? I, I mean, I had uh, barely developed any any construction drawings. I mean, it was still land, raw land, wow, uh, just barely in the process. And there was a local guy who happened to be an architect that said, "I want that piece. I'm going to build a building." And he, to him, the value was four twenty five. So you know, thank you. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna also you know preface this with. Uh, um, I'd rather be lucky than dumb. Now I like momentum. I like movement. I like growth. Okay. Those were things that I'm focused on, but nevertheless, you know, you're talking about Oh five, right? I mean, you, you had to make some pretty dumb decisions to not make money like an Oh five or Oh six. Um, and so, you know, I will, I will take the market. I'll take all the, the ride that the market gives me all the time because there's a lot of mistakes we can make in this business. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we sold it as raw land to answer your question. Wow. Amazing. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Uh, good. So, so here's what happened after that, right? I'm less like, now I'm, now I'm hooked. I'm going, okay, I want to learn from the best. I, I want to learn everything about this. So this is the first opportunity. This was 07, actually, um, that I realized, okay, I, I'm going to go to the family business. I'm going to knock on the door and see if there's an opening for me because they've got a very sophisticated uh, machine here. And I just, I'm, I, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so I knock on the door again, my uncle runs it. It's, it's very much a family business. And, and let me give you some context around family business. Not all families are the same, but I come from a huge family. And so one of the things that the family did early on is when I was 12 years old, which I had no idea what I was even doing, but when I was 12 years old, I signed a family employment agreement. Okay. So this was the family attempt to basically like, uh, you know, uh, have no nepotism. Right. And, and just like you're going to be put against any other candidate for this job. But what it did is it really deterred people from getting into the business or even trying to get into the business. And I was kind of the first goat, you know, billy goat or whatever you call it, scapegoat to get in there and try it. Right. Anyway, it was, all time. It was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. So I was like, I said, look, here's what I've been doing, right? Uh, here, here, and, and I just, uh, this real estate thing is my game, you know? And they're like, well, uh, you know, do you have the, your four-year degree? And I said, actually, no, I'm a late bloomer, uh, but I'm finishing it. I'll, I, it'll be done in like the next six months. Um, and they said, okay, all right. 
you know, have you worked for somebody for two years? Well, yeah. So I, I could check kind of every box except for the four year degree. Um, so right away, the, the actually the answer was no, but I don't really, I don't really take no for a no. I take no for a, what, what am I, maybe what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. What, well, what, what, how can I explain this different? Right. Maybe, maybe come at a different angle because, um, here's someone that, you know, again, maybe I'm not, uh, bleeding my passion here. Right. Maybe I'm not showing enough of, 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 of my intent. And so I just, I just kind of went back at him. Well, okay. Uh, I understand. No, you don't want me to waste your, uh, you know, your high salary employees time. You don't want me to do this. You don't want me to do that. Why don't you put me on temporary, you know, give me six months and uh, give me a shot type of thing. You ask my manager, who is this guy, Tyler Exter, who's still a mentor to this day. You ask him in six months, you say, hey, is Brian Underwood uh, wasting my time? And if he says yes, I'll just walk away. No questions asked. Um, and let me let I, me ask you this question. Sure. This is your this is your dad's business or your uncle's business. Uh, my, uh, my uncle is running the family business okay. at this point. Okay. Yeah. And he, and he still is. And so, uh, so he said, yes. And, and ultimately I was there 10 years. And, um, in that 10 year period, I also went back to school during the great recession and I got a master's in real estate from the university of San Diego. And I was fortunate enough to buy $60 million worth of product and land, mostly in California. We spent a little bit of time in Austin, Texas. Um, I did two deals in Austin, Texas. So $60 million of land, uh, I was involved in a million and a half square feet of entitlement work. And for those of your listeners that don't really understand the development world and what entitlement means, essentially there's few locations of any product that you can just go build something, particularly in California. You have to go through a city process called entitlements and more or less you're getting their blessing that you can go build that product. And it's a very lengthy and expensive process. And so while I'm not a general contractor, I'm not building the project, on the, being the acquisitions manager, I was involved with sourcing deals, contracting deals, light, right, negotiating deals, all of our property due diligence related to new development. Uh, I was handling all of the escrow commitments, reviewing title. Um, I was working with the, all of our uh, architect and design consultants through the entitlements, engaging with you know, local planning groups, community planning groups, pitching our projects, ultimately getting entitlements. At that point, I would pass it off to the development or construction manager and the construction manager would build it. And then we also had a management team. So at Castor and the family business, it started with me finding a deal and then we kind of had it you know, cradle to grave all the way through. Wow, this is amazing. I'm just blown away. I don't even, I mean, there's just so many things. I was taking a bunch of notes. Brian, thank you for that. Sure. You know, fantastic, um, you know, foundation. So I wanted to ask a question. You talked about the different facets of the business, the kind of home building, and then you talk about the urban infill development. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned responsible, um, which is a kind of consulting brokerage. Mm -hmm. So you are mining all of kind of all of this, this facets, how, how are you able to juggle those kind of businesses every day? I'm just kind of curious. Um, well, once you get in here and, and you start a business, whether that's real estate or something, and you're growing and scaling, you will realize that it can be very painful at times. Okay. Um, now we are doing it slow and we're doing it organically because I'm on a mission to do business with good people. I don't care if that is my business partner. I don't care if that's my bookkeeper. I don't care if that's an investor. I am out to do business with good people. 
And so when I decided to not take over the family business and stay there for the long haul, I decided it was time for me to rotate off and start my own company. And the reason, you know, kind of simply put, there's a lot of reasons for home building, but at the, at, at really on the outset of me leaving the family business, this was in 2017 and, and doing, um, kind of pursuing something different. It was, I just didn't want to leave the family business and I didn't want to go head to head with them and, and start a new self-storage company. I mean, it's kind of like a, I spent 10 years in that business. I think everybody expected me to start a self-storage company. And again, it goes back to there's opportunity in real estate in a lot of different facets. It wasn't about making money. It was about the process. And so I'm like, okay, yes, I can go start a self-storage company, but why ruffle feathers? Why compete against the family? Go, go find somewhere else to make money. Use the skills that you developed over the last 10 years, you know, buying land and securing entitlements for storage with a new product. And so what happened is I left the, I left the business and I put my broker hat on for the very first time. And I land, uh, landed um, two land deals. Okay, so uh, just through my network, I had uh, two opportunities to broker land for multifamily development. And so while I'm not qualified to sell necessarily multifamily land development, I'm very familiar with buying land for self-storage development. So I just really had to learn this new product. And so I started tapping my network out there here in San Diego, asking them all about home building and the demand. And, and then my eyes just, just, you know, they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm just going, holy smokes, this opportunity is massive because I had to be so granular with self-storage. I mean, I'm looking at like three mile radiuses. I'm looking at, in, I mean, we do this for, for housing too, but uh, I'm looking at income. I'm looking at the, the product in the market. I'm looking at their unit size in the market. I'm saying, okay, if the demand's not there, uh, you know, I need 14 new people for one new 10 by 10, right? And I'm going to build a thousand of those. So I need a lot of new people if the demand's not there. Anyway, long story short is I only need two and a half new people to create demand for one unit, housing unit. I mean, the demand is massive. CoStar recently put out, and I think it was ended up being circulated by Globe Street, um, a report in San Diego. We could build 110,000 new units in San Diego tomorrow, and it would just catch up with pent-up demand. It would just so be we, absorbed like it, right away. Right away. That, that's, that's what we're behind. And so where that comes from is we have to build here in San Diego 15,000 new units every single year just to keep up with natural growth. Okay. Wow. Last year and this year are some of the highest units that we've, we've actually put out on the market. Last year was 6,000. This year might be seven. Okay. So do we, do we're we not even getting halfway this, there. Do we even know what's driving this growth? Did you see well, that? In uh, the the, it's not necessarily, it's, it's, it's natural growth. Okay. So San mm -hmm. Diego San Diego grows by 27,000 people a year. Even, even, even with people leaving, people are having babies, people are coming from different countries, right? It's just when you, when you track all of the, the um, like the demographers have the reports here in San Diego, Sandag has awesome uh, uh, demographic reports and it tracks all, all the flows, ins and outs. But essentially, if you got 25, call it 27,000 people every single year, uh, you know, you're looking at somewhere between 10 and 15,000 units a year just to keep up with natural growth. That's where that number comes from, right? So the thing is, is we, we're not building it. 
And that's for a lot of different reasons. There's a lot of restrictions on, uh, on just new development in California from, you know, most of it has to do with environmental concerns, whether that is water contamination, you know, you're, you're uh, killing all the bugs, right? I mean, stuff like that. It's just, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I don't want to get into politics in California here. I'm just saying it, it makes it a very lengthy and difficult process. So what I've done is um, through our home building. So my very first project on my own, where I raise the capital, I sign all the checks, right? Is a 10 build to rent townhome community in Santee here, which is a submarket in East County. We are actually in lease up on that project right now. And we're on the market to sell it as a 10 unit investment property. Through that um, project, I, I uh, assembled a team, meaning I realized as Brian Underwood, this being my first project, I've been and have enough experience to probably weather anything that might um, potentially sink the ship. But, but I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with the, I might, right? Just because I've got a good head on my shoulders. And so what I did is I reached out to a colleague of mine, his name is Michael Dunham, who is now my partner in Responsible Urban. This guy's built 10,000 homes in his life. He's built everything from master plan communities to, you know, 400 unit type one high rises in downtown San Diego. I mean, he's got so much experience. It's, it's incredible. And so I sat with Mike, I said, Mike, I'm down the rabbit hole in residential development. And he, he took my temperature to make sure I wasn't sick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I say that, um, I, I say that because that that's actually, it, it's funny, but it's very true. It's, it, this isn't, it's not for the faint of heart. You, you've got to, you got to have a lot of diligence and you've got to be a, 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 just a complete optimist to, to kind of build anything. And it's, it's a, it's, it's quite the process. And so I, anyway, I met with Mike. I said, Mike, I, I just bought a piece of land. I already bought it. I just bought a piece of land. I'm going to build these 10 units. I've never even built one house in my life and I'm about to build 10. Perhaps you might consider coming on and mentoring me in some capacity um, and so what we ended up doing is just coming up with a mutual contract where I just paid him a fee to be my development manager, but I got to learn and still am learning from all of his expertise. And what he's, what he's been able to do is take, you know, my lens is, is about that long in home building. His lens is miles long. And so he starts seeing stuff way down the road. He knows that's coming and we get to communicate and talk about it and strategize how we're going to tackle it. And I'll tell you what. Um, yes, it cost me money, but in the big picture, it saved me money. It's right? free. Basically it's free. It, it, yeah, absolutely. And so as, as we were meeting on a regular basis, he has two team members, a guy named Jacob Schwartz and Casey Engelman. And then my business partner is a guy named Sean Jones. There's five of us. Now they were just working on this first deal as a consultant, really, but I've known them for a decade. And these are some of the greatest people with some of the greatest experience building high-rise towers in San Diego, right? And they've not, they, they've not done it on their own. And I said, hey, guys, wouldn't you want to own the project? And they said, well, yeah. And I said, okay, well, we're all out trying to do the same thing right now. Why don't we, instead of work on these 10 units, which I'm okay doing in, in the future, why don't we together go build 100 units? And they said, Okay, that sounds good, right? So it was just this organic, organic team building that happened over a couple of years of working on projects together that we formed Responsible Urban together. There's five of us. 
and we have, we bought land last year. Um, this might sound crazy to some of your listeners, but it's, you just have to understand that land in California just depends on what you can put on it. So we bought 14,000 square feet, which I understand is like a postage stamp to most people, <laughs> right? It's just, it's just not that big, <laughs> but we have designed in our, our building 89 market rate apartments on 14,000 square feet through a podium project, which is two levels of concrete and five levels of wood, which if you've been in any urban area, you've seen podium apartment projects before. And like the podium is probably like the car park. Uh, They just call it podium because the, uh, the, the, the wood frame, the five levels of wood frame is sitting on top of two levels of concrete. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, so we are on that project. That's a $32 million project, 89 market rate apartments. We are on schedule right now to submit for plan check in November. So I was doing a quick calculation that's ends the, the long pause. So that's like three, 360,000 a unit. All in. Wow. Yeah. So let me ask you this, this, there's still that ongoing, um, I guess, message or conversation about how you can never find deals in California. Blank across the state, right? That's just (laughs) New York and California. You can never find deals. What are your thoughts on that? Because clearly (laughs) you are finding deals. Well, it um, it's not easy. Any deal is not easy. You you can't just find a deal. Deals come by a lot of effort. Um, And really, I I used to joke and, and this this isn't exact math, but I used to joke when I was working for the family business that. I would have to look through like 2000 deals to find 200, you know, that, that might, that might kind of catch my eye. Right. And then I might make offers on 20 and I might buy two. Right. I mean, like the, the, you have to be in action. You have to be hunting for deals. You have to be looking. So they, they don't come overnight, but what I will tell you is that relationships matter big time. And so when you've got a team of us of five that have a combined experience here in San Diego and a reputation of over hundred years collectively, I'll tell you what, we, we find deals. Uh, it's not a matter of us finding deals or not. Like we can find deals. We have some growing pains on some, some capital, which we're doing really good at. Um, and, and building that team, it's really creating awareness, which is why I like talking to folks like you, my friend. You know, yeah. I just want people to know that we exist, that this, this type of team exists in a place like San Diego that has incredible opportunity to build brand new units. And we're giving an opportunity to other investors to participate in that. So the other, well, my final question, actually, before we go to the, the, the quick round is mentors, sure. right? You've talked about a couple of mentors, actually, if I, if I was counting correctly. Um, and I love the fact that you said you, you actually just paid your, your mentor fee. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. So if somebody listening, listening to this and thinking, oh, my goodness, I like everything I've heard. I'm thinking of getting a mentor. Um, what are your thoughts, like, you know, in terms of like paid mentorship or non-paid, like, cause I think the first one, you kind of just went in for free just to learn. And then the second one, you actually paid. What are your thoughts just generally? So, well, it, I've done it in various ways as, to your point. So I, I've done it in a way where, uh, you know, I was offered very little pay compared to what I was making. But I also, I was young enough to have not really have any like responsibility in life. So 
I mean, if you're young and you're interested, like now's the time for you to go explore while you have zero responsibility. Not that you can't do it when you're married and you're older and pivot. You absolutely can, but you're going to be juggling two careers. Okay. And what I'm always just kind of a, a, always a proponent of doesn't matter where I'm at. If I'm at an event, if I'm meeting new people, if I'm, if I'm in business, I'm just trying to figure out a way that I can help somebody. So if you're talking with somebody at a networking event and you're interested in what they're doing, listen to them, figure out what their needs are and figure out if there's a, a spot for you to say, hey, it sounds like to me you're really busy, but you could use someone doing some maybe some data research. Yeah, actually, I could. Hey, I've got Fridays open. Can I help you out with that? I mean, don't ask for anything up front. Offer. They will reciprocate. That's just human nature. You know, I mean, that's where the term much obliged comes from. Mm -hmm. I mean, you basically, if you do something for someone internally, the other person feels like I'm obligated to do something for you. That's just human nature. 100%. So don't, ex don't expect it, but it'll happen. If you, if you do it out of like pure, like generosity and like I'm genuine and I want to learn, I'm not, ex I I'm only here to learn. That's what I, that's what I want to get out of this. I'm trying to learn. And so not, just not, not find a way to, to help. Not That's trying right. to leech. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Leeches will die. So, um, yeah, they won't stick. Uh, and you'll get a bad reputation. Protect your reputation. Be a yeah. good person. Yeah. Brian, what an absolute conversation. I love it. We can keep going on and on, but we definitely, definitely do it into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? Oh, I'll do my best. All right. First question. What makes you brand unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? I, I value people. I might not be the only person that values people, but I value people. I value what you say. I value what you bring to the table. Uh, I value your opinion. I may not agree with it, but I want to hear it. I want to understand it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quick to listen, hopefully slow to speak. That's my, that's my mantra. I like that. Next question. What was the last book that you read? And what was the one thing you picked up from that book? Uh, well, gosh, the Bible and uh, be more like Jesus. Great choice. <laughs> Great choice. Final question. Um, what do you do for fun? Oh, gosh. Where do I start? I have twin boys that are eight years old. Oh. And I have oh. a daughter that's five. Nice. I just got off a three-week road trip. And, and I'll tell you what. If you haven't taken a road trip with your family, it's the best memories you'll ever make. But outside of, outside of family, that's number one, outside of family, because I have so much fun with those boys and my daughter, my wife, we just have such a great time. Um, I, I, I'm in love with, with golf. I don't play that much anymore because it's, it's a time commitment, but I love golf and I also play racquetball and I also do some spear fishing out here in San Diego uh, and I'm getting into mountain biking. Nice, nice. Oh, busy, busy. Brian, thank you so much. If anyone's listening, thinking, well, I really want to get connected with Brian, maybe then the, um, you know, California, instead of California, or maybe anywhere in the country, um, what's the best place people can find out more about you, get connected with you? Awesome. Yeah, thanks for that. You can go to investwithbrian.com. Investwithbrian, that's B-R-Y-A-N.com. Love it. Similar to mine, invest with all of I like it. Smart. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, I, I took a page out of your book. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe from yours. I don't know. Well, Brian, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it.